When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Jamie Carragher and you are listening to the Copy Podcast. What is happening, everyone? Welcome back to the Copy Podcast. It is the two lose reaction. So Liverpool five to lose one. Um, a pretty decent game. Uh, eight changes made. But before we get into it, all I'm joined once again by Evan. It's been I can't remember how long it's been since we had Evan on the show, but he is back. And I thought this would be a good one to discuss with all the changes and stuff and the, the way Liverpool played and stuff. But before we get into it, Evan, how are you doing? Doing really good. I'm glad to glad to be talking about you know actual Liverpool football. You know, it's it's fun as the transfer window stuff was. That 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 was a time. <laughs> it was a moment. It was an era. But now we're dissecting what these new signings are actually doing on the pitch, and we actually have, well, judging by our performance against Toulouse, a solid amount of depth in the team, and I, and I'm looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, I think. When we were discussing in the past, it was more, yeah more transfer related, and we were talking about like grabbing Birch and stuff, and we're, we're actually seeing the fruits of the, of those transfers now, which is which is lovely to see. The likes of Zobostai and whatever didn't play yesterday, but grabbing Birch and, and those type of players got to perform, and they performed at a high level. But what did you make of that? Before we get into the goals and stuff, what did you make of the the lineup then? Because like I said before, eight changes from uh, from the Everton game and. Um, Chambers getting a um, a debut. Graven Birch, of course, coming coming in. Endo coming in. Um, Trent keeping his position. Keller coming in. Curtis Jones coming back in. So there was, of course, a lot of change. But still, when you looked at that team, I felt excited by what was on what it looked like before the game kicked off. Yeah, definitely. Um, and if if we were looking for reasons to get ourselves psyched up or excited for a Europa League campaign, knowing that in all honesty, we are probably a you know a level above the Europa League. It I think one of the predominant reasons that was going to be able to get us through was just being able to see what these younger players have to offer and making sure that 
players that we've made promises to, um, I'm sure, about game time. You know, the likes of Harvey Elliott, the likes of Curtis Jones, you know, Ryan Gravenberg, especially coming from a situation where he was getting no game time, um, even in rotation. Uh, yeah, it's just nice. So I, I don't want to liken it too much to preseason where it's just like, oh, cool, you know, we get to watch Ben Doak play. But it, it is a bit of the same thing. You know what I mean? A, a lot of these players wouldn't be tossed into the fire uh, of, a, of a, you know, a way to a top four arrival or, or anything like that, you know, especially Luke Chambers. Um, but that is kind of how I see the Europe League, especially in these early stages where, you know, all due respect to the competition, we're not necessarily playing teams we, we would fear. So I do sort of have that, you know, innocent enjoyment of the Europa League, knowing I'm going to see players that, we wouldn't toss into the fire in a Premier League fixture. Yeah, and it didn't take long for Liverpool to um, to get the lead nine minutes, and I guess we were kind of feeling them out because they they proved over the ninety minutes that they're a very good and decent side. Very in terms of passing triangles and and trying to get evade the press, they were very good. Some very technically um, and quick players, but Liverpool finally get the goal. I say finally, it took nine minutes, but it was a it was a lovely finish by Jota, the way he takes it, and any little little cheeky megs, and any slots at bottom corner, and that's kind. Of, I don't know Jota's. He's been. He's. A bit, I don't know. He's a bit of an enigma, I think, because he's the way he plays, and maybe he's not involved in the games as much as we like. But then he's coming in on the left. Sometimes he comes in as a striker. Sometimes you see him down the right. So, and I guess because of the the depth that we've got, like you mentioned, like it's a bit harder for him to get those like solid solid game time as a, as a starter because with the there's so much competition up there now but it's nice to see when Jota comes in and he and he, he can perform and he and he can score goals like that cuz he is lethal when he gets in those positions you don't ever expect him to miss do you no not really um you know the when he first signed for liverpool there were a few joking comparisons to Fowler when, when he was scoring just sort of like a glut of goals and he was doing it with both feet, you know, fox in the box, poacher style goals. But now I think it's it's legitimate, perhaps not in, you know, not in the same bracket of quality as Robbie Fowler, but just in terms of how he scores the goals, I, I think the similarities are, are really apparent. Um, you know, there there is all that competition, like you alluded to. And you know, I, I think player for player, we have the most depth and attack in, in club football, uh, in, in my opinion. So it, it's it's a nice problem to have, um, you know, especially coming from the, the previous iteration of the Klopp team where we, we, we would always say it, you know, whisper it in fear, you know, one ACL to the front three and our, our season's derailed because our options off the bench, all due respect to them, are guys like, uh, you know, Minamino or, you know, whoever it was, an, an injured Danny Ings. Or... So it, it, it's nice to have this these, these sorts of problems. Um, Jota is just, he's just a lethal finisher. You know, I always, always said he, he's ambidextrous. He can punch above his weight in the aerial game. And, I, you know, I always ask this question to Liverpool fans. If, if it's the Champions League final and it's the 90th minute and a chance falls to a Liverpool player in the box, who are you picking? I, I, I know who I'm picking, and, and there, there's, a, there's a glut of evidence to back it up because he can do it with either foot, he's comfortable in the air. Um, it is the main frustration of Jota that he is not 
outside of 20 yards, is he as effective as guys like Gakpo? Is he as effective as guys, you know, people like Firmino, for for example, and even Darwin, who's now sort of becoming uh, more than just a, a, a penalty area presence. Um, but I'm, I'm just extremely happy to ha- uh, have Diogo Jota here, as well as the wealth of options next to him. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's, yeah, I hope he can, I guess, get into games more, but then I guess that's, I think he is like a, a rhythm player. I think if he, if he was starting every week, I think you'd see him more involved and stuff. But then he does have those moments where he's a bit anonymous, but it doesn't really matter really. Like Everton is an example of a forward not being in the game and then scoring two goals in, in Mo Salah. So if, you, if you've got forwards who aren't going to be in the games as much, as long as they're in it a little bit, they're going to score you the goals, then it doesn't really matter. And getting a first goal in a in a game like this early, I, I, an early goal is always beneficial. I think this one was was a great finish as well. Um, and it, annoyingly, it was it was only seven minutes later that they get the equaliser, and it's a, a nice little bit of play, I guess, through the middle. Trent's keeping him on side, and he he runs through. I, I was praying that Chambers had enough pace to get back to him. He unfortunately didn't, and then again, spoiled by Alison Becker when someone's one on one. I always expect the keeper to save it, but he hits it. I guess if Keller watching it back, he probably thinks he could do a little bit better with that one because it can It does go quite close to. His body a little bit, um, but again, you've got to give credit to the, to the to the play that they made and and got through and and a goal. And what were your thoughts at that stage? Were you thinking we've got enough here to kind of just keep grinding these down and, and we'll get a goal soon after? When I saw the replay and I saw that Chambers had kind of been baited into a position that he probably shouldn't have gone into, that relaxed me about the goal. I'm like, okay, you know, the rookie made a rookie mistake. Uh, it, it, it's going to happen. Growing pains. No, no worries. We move on. Um, it, it was hard to get worked up over the goal. You know, it, you know, if we had conceded first, then maybe I would have been able to string that to uh, a known problem that we have. But watching the replay back, I, I couldn't, I couldn't attach it to any recurring issue that I was sure was plaguing, plaguing us. Yeah, uh, Cleveland Kelleher should have saved that. That that was my first thought um, w- when I saw just how it had gone into the net. Um, I, I'm not sure what to make of Cleveland Kelleher, to be to be quite honest. I, I I'm surprised he's still a Liverpool player because I I would have thought that especially after the 21-22 campaign that there would have been a list of clubs in Europe's top five leagues, maybe not the elite, but in Europe's top five leagues trying to sign this guy because I thought he had proven that he can be a number one. Um, but, you know, he's still here and, and he's sticking around. But th- there have been occasions in the last six months where my, um, my, my, my perception of how good he actually might be has been shaken somewhat. I, I thought in the, in the last game of the season, in the previous campaign, uh, away to an already relegated Southampton, I thought many of the goals that they scored against us should have been saved by him, uh, a majority of them. Um, but and, and then again on this occasion, I, I thought the same. But I, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it because he's come up big in big moments for Liverpool. And and when you want – what what are you looking for in, in a number two keeper at the end of the day? Um but yeah, I, I definitely think he'll want that one back after watching it again. But at no moment did I did I feel that the game was going to get away with us, even with 
the the inexperience in the back line. Yeah, I think it's a it is an interesting one, Canada, because he's he's twenty five um next month actually. Um and I am surprised I'm, I'm sure most Liverpool fans are surprised that he's he didn't move on. I'm sh- and a lot of us are happy that he didn't because it gives us like a a decent backup goalkeeper. And like you said, he's had loads of big moments where he stepped up and made a big save or cup finals where he scored and penalties and, and stuff like that. So what a pen a, it was too. Oh, no, yeah. Ridiculous, ridiculously good. Yeah, I mean maybe next summer might be another I don't know, a different scenario where I don't know. Adrian maybe leaves. If he leaves, then maybe Liverpool have to buy someone or Pitaluga or there's there's. I, I don't know what Liverpool are going to do, but I think he's a he's a solid backup. But yeah, I, I agree. I think he with you. Like I think he'll look back on that one. Maybe think that he should have saved it. But at no point I thought that I thought with Liverpool would be in danger. I thought like we've got enough quality in the team, like we mentioned. Like even eight changes, you still think Liverpool have got enough, and that kind of brings us onto the midfield because the next goal. Comes from Endo and it's on on just on the on the half hour mark. Endo gets his first goal for the Reds and it's a it's a great little bit of play from the corner and he's he's just there and when when you watch it and when you watch it seen the first time it just looked like a decent edit. It's only when you watch it back a couple of times on different angles that you realise just how the spring and the the power that he's put into. Obviously Trent's put power on the cross, but to the, then get the angle to get it across goal and stuff. I think it was a. A nice, I mean, Klopp referenced that after the game, like all the right players scored. And I think that's that's one of those moments where he had a, a really good performance because I think he's been one that, again, we always mention Twitter when we, me and you chat like about like people targeting players online and whatever and maybe thinking they're not too good and it's maybe t- they do it too soon. And I think this might be another one where you think he's coming to a new league, a new a new style of play, et cetera, et cetera. He's experienced, but he still needs time to adapt. And um, there's been games where he's been severely off it. And that, that's, cl- that's clear that we can all accept that. But this game, I thought the goal only energised him into wanting to throw his body in more and wanting to make more tackles. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll be the first to admit that my initial impressions of Wataru Endo are that for the level that we're going to be consistently playing at, I, I don't think he's starter quality. Um, but then again, you know, that just because you're not starter quality does not mean you don't have a place at Liverpool. Um, I mean, we, we just got done talking about Queeven Keller, you know, who's, who is, who in the world is starting quality when you're going up against Alison Becker. Um, and, you know, I, I perhaps wouldn't, um, I wouldn't feel so worried about it if, you know, we had Rodri playing six for Liverpool or Fabinho was still here in his prime. Um, I do think Europa League, you know, weaker opposition, this definitely does seem to be his level. Teams that sit off um, and just sort of allow us to do our thing. Um, I'm, I'm a bit confused by Endo because I'm not quite sure he's what I personally want in a six. Um, I, I'm not one of these these people that thinks that a six has to be tall, or a six has to be strong. Um, you know, there's obviously counterexamples to that. You know, N'Golo Conte spent the majority of his Premier League career punching well above his weight, and then some. You know, Makalele was not six foot, nor was Essien, nor were any of these um, legendary holding midfielders who pioneered the position. Um, but I, I do, 
I, I do fear when when a when a six doesn't have a standout physical attribute. Um, and I'm not quite sure I've seen that from Endo yet. Does that mean he can't be effective? Of course not. Um, but I'm there. There's a part of me that thinks that Liverpool are going to immediately dip back into the market in January for a six. I, I I do think it's going to happen because when we talk about what we're up against, and this isn't an indictment of Endo. This is this is a acknowledgement of what we're going up against. The the floor of the biggest prize that we all want is 90 points um is is 90 points you know in in this league going up against who we're going up against i don't even need to name them is that going to be possible when you are not as strong as you possibly could be um so you know again not not bashing the player more of just saying hey this is this is what we're up against um but i i think endo is going to be a perfectly fine and serviceable player for Liverpool. Um, you know, it, it wasn't too long ago we played every single game possible in a league season, 21-22. We absolutely, absolutely need people like that in, in the squad. We need rotation options. We need Kelleher's. We need Shimikas. We need Endo. We need these guys who can come up big in big moments. But... I don't think any of us would want to lean on those three for away trips to the Etihad. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's sort of just my my roundup of uh, of Endo in in a. I I think that there are less less criticisms of the player, more of just about Liverpool could could do a bit more in in the transfer window in terms of his position. Yeah, because I think we're seeing, of course, McAllister starting there and. By no means, he's had some good games, but he's had some. I mean, Brighton springs to mind straight away. Where, yeah. um, I mean, the Van Dyke ball doesn't help him, but there's there's moments like that where it's a position that he's not gonna. He's not the type to complain. He's always saying he's happy to play whatever in the, in the midfield, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and he can do the job. But I agree, it's it's when you're going away to the likes of City, the likes of Arsenal, where the person you have to start is McAllister because of what Endo's shown us so far. You don't want Endo playing in those games unless he all of a sudden turns on the style and, and, and becomes 10 times the player, um, which is just completely ridiculous to, to even um, to, to even ask for because he's at a level where, he's like you said, he's decent enough, but you're not going to rely on them in these, in these bigger games. Um, but again, January then, is that, is, do you think that's a, a time where Liverpool might dip back into the market or do you think we see how this season goes and see how it plays out and then kind of react off the back of that. I I I think it's more likely that we do than we don't. Um that's just sort of my gut feeling on it. Um you know it's so tough, you know, because the benchmark is Rodri and the rest of us are kind of just trying to make up Rodri in the aggregate. Because <laughs> That that's all you can really hope to do if you don't have one of the Rolls Royce players, and you know it's it's not a position where there's a ton of options, you know what I mean? And and the prices that Declan Rice and Moises Caicedo went for are, are testament to that. They're they're testament to them being young players with enormous ceilings and room to grow, Premier League experience, Premier League tax, whatever you want to call it. 
but it's also a testament to there's there's a scarcity and it's it's a position that hasn't become easier to play in, in the last five or six years as more and more teams realizing that they too can play high pressing football and they too can get after the center backs and get after the holding midfielder it's it's not a it's not a style that's reserved for the likes of Klopp and uh, Arsenal and City and, and teams with quality. No, you, you can you can have an effective press. You can punch above your weight if, if you're organized enough. So that hasn't made it easier for center backs. It hasn't made it easier for keepers. It hasn't made it easier for holding midfielders, players who a generation ago didn't necessarily need to be amazing with their feet or be amazing uh you know under pressure or you know press resistance and all all these terms um so if there is something there the the line from liverpool has always been if it's there we will go big for it um and and their their the accepted bid they had for moises caicedo is testament to that so if they have identified another player in that bracket of quality then we have a hundred reasons to believe they will. It's just a question of whether that player exists and is is available. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I guess this is like the more I think of it, like the Liverpool, the way Liverpool have started, um, and the way that we're still in and around that area because this this beginning of the season we were losing big players. We were also then losing Fabinho and Henderson that we didn't expect to lose. The fact that we've rebuilt that midfield in a kind of a the way we have, I think, is the more the more you watch Liverpool games, the more you realise just how good of a job it is. Of course, we didn't get like a a proper high world class six in there, but the fact that we did, we brought brought in the likes of Gravenberch and and Zobislai and um, and McAllister and then Endo late on, I think, is hopefully enough for us to give this season a good going and and kind of see from there because I think Endo's definitely decent enough. It's just whether um, he's just like a, a Europa League domestic cup player, and then you you have McAllister for those Premier League games. I don't know. It's it's again. It's you you we're, we're reacting to this because the, like these type of players are are still all new. They've only been playing for the club for a very short amount of time, and we're still because Liverpool players generally adapt really quickly. I think we're kind of spoiled in that regard as well because we're like, if someone doesn't do that at a, at the same level, we're like, well, why aren't you doing it as well? Um, but yeah, there's a myriad of factors to why that might be for certain players and why it not be, might not be for others. Um, but yeah, it's definitely interesting to discuss going forward, see what Liverpool are going to do. Um, but yeah, Nunes gets his goal just four minutes after the end of the chance. Obviously, we're going to get to the Nunes chance later on, but he, he does score a goal that's much much harder it, it falls to him and he, and he and he rifles it top corner and i always say like when nunez scores a goal it's it's a celebration 1.5 than a normal celebration because it's it's that guy who we want to do well we're willing them to do well because he's been wrote off since day one because of the money and the price tag and him being a little bit erratic at times last season and sometimes this season like we saw yesterday even so with the with the chance late on um but yeah, he gets the goal and and it's a it's a great finish and to get to go three one up, thirty four minutes that it didn't the game weren't sewn up but at that point you were like Liverpool can now start to maybe turn on the style a little bit and and try and enjoy themselves a little bit more. Yeah, and it's a just quickly on on the type of finish. It, it's a finish that I, I think 
all the elite strikers have in in their bag is sort of just the the near near post and high and away. Um, Aguero was fantastic at this. Van Persie was great at it. Um, and it's it's something that that I think's a bit underrated. I you know and you know you you look at Nunez's fluff chances last season. He's hunting for the corner to his credit, you know, but he he would pull them wide quite a bit. And and there were times where I'm just like, mate, I just just get it on target. You know, you know, spare yourself those blushes. Um, And that that's lazy commentary. And that's that's lazy analysis that that's the stressed fan in me speaking that that, that's (laughs) not the actual analyst, because these keepers are too good. If you don't shoot for corners, you're not going to score. But yeah, it, it's a nice type of finish. It's a satisfying finish. Liverpool have sort of been putting them in the roof of the net lately. And it's it's nice. It's satisfying. It's aesthetically pleasing. Um, and yeah, Darwin, big Darwin moments mean more. Um, this means more. It, it, it's true. Um, because, because of the things you said. And these days, uh, in the context of just right here, right now, it's a testament that he has come quite a long way um, already. You know, just in terms of not only is he, you know, you know, uh, open goals aside, not only is he more likely to bury a chance these days, he's more likely to get himself involved. And, you know, there was there was times last season where, you know, not even in front of goal with a chance beckoning, but sort of just trying to get involved outside the box. He just didn't really know where to be or what to do, when to recycle, when to be direct. And these days the the hold up play has come such a long way he's he's effective he, he knows where Salah is he's building he's that that relationship has come along leaps and bounds this season already um so i'm seeing the improvements i want to see in darwin and lo and behold it's keeping him in the team because for me i i tweeted this uh over the summer i said darwin's biggest problem isn't darwin it's Cody Gakpo because Cody Gakpo is infinitely better at everything, you know, besides physical attributes. And Cody Gakpo is no physical slouch himself. Cody Gakpo is just incredible at holding up play. Every single week, Cody Gakpo was doing a better and better Firmino impression. He was just going from strength to strength, and Darwin was still looking like a bit of a wild card. But now that Darwin is seemingly more comfortable with hold up play, more comfortable outside the box in terms of contributing to our buildup as a team, it's keeping him in the first team and it's, it's making him a hard player to bench. Um, And it's not someone we're just looking at the matchup and deciding if we play him or not. And by the end of the season, I think what we all want is Darwin to be in that automatic starter category. Yeah. I think because for weeks or for a long time, it was, it was Diaz Gakpo on Salah and you were thinking, uh, Nunez as a bench option, he's he's more dangerous anyway because he can come on and cause that the chaos that we know and love. Um, but like you said, he's he's done so well. Like he's kind of finding those gaps, and he's he's yesterday he was he was running back and winning the ball, and then nearly losing the ball, winning it back again, and then uh, recycling the ball basically in our own half. He's doing he's doing all the dirty stuff that you want him to do, but he's also looking more. Yeah, he's just. He's having to learn the technical side of it more. I think he can. He can. He's still got a long way to go. I think in terms of that, which I think is an exciting thing. I think Klopp even referenced that he's got a long way to go. Similar to 
other players in the side that are new, like the likes of Gravenberch, there's still like a loads of room for improvement in those type of areas. And that, that I think that's exciting, isn't it? Because these players are I always say it like players that come to Liverpool, I think there's obviously a lot a lot of quality because they've came to our club, but when you're under like Klopp and stuff and you've got our fan our fan base behind you, I feel like you can it's it's an I feel like it's an easier adaptation and an easier ride in a way because the the kind of atmosphere that we've created in 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 the in the team and stuff. But I feel like there's him especially Nunes. I feel like he can. I mean, he's already very good, and I love him to bits. But I feel it's exciting how just how many more steps can he take over the next couple of years to hone those um, technical skills that he can learn a lot from, like you said, Cody Gakpo. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's in the place to do it, you know, and he's he's in a club that that needs that because you lose Firmino, you're you're losing the, these guys who are extremely important to the build up for for quite a long time. And if I could just segue us into the the build up real quick, I, I I've seen just across the board Darwin aside, I've seen market improvements in, in Liverpool's build-up this season. It's not as polished as it could be, but when you compare it to large swaths of last season and even the opening weeks of the current campaign, the build-up from within our own half has come on leaps and bounds. Um, and I, I see it no matter who's on the pitch. Um, the the situational, situational inversion of Trent is, is still a thing that I think works. You know, it doesn't have to be full-time. It can just be when we need it to happen, we can have it happen. And that's great. You know, more power to us for the, the flexibility. But it's something that plagued us last season. You know, people bemoan the the, the lack of the ability to win the tackle or stop the counterattack, contest duels last season. And that was a huge issue, don't get me wrong. But equally important was Liverpool's just quality over five to ten yards, just trying to build out from the back. Um you can't just be direct every single time. And what I'm seeing is Liverpool becoming a more effective possession-based team. And that's obviously helped by the by the signings that you make. You know, Sobosly, Gravenberch, these guys look like world beaters. They just, they just look absolutely incredible. Forces of nature um, on and off the ball. And, you know, with all due respect to what they were able to provide for the club when they were here, that's not what Jordan Henderson and Fabinho were towards the latter stages of their Liverpool career. So based on the signings we've made and the tactical tweaks we've made, Darwin Nunez coming on leaps and bounds, the, the buildup is just so, so encouraging to see. And it, it, it's, what, it's what gets me excited from a nerdy point of view to get up in the morning, keyword morning, and, and watch Liverpool matches. Yeah, I think... Gravenberch, like you, like you just said, was yes the first half. I feel like, in terms of what he can provide, and like you said, like the likes of Fabinho and, and Henderson, even like when Alden had that in his locker. But it it was more of like the the system that we had. They were provi- they were they were playing a role in 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 a system where it allowed the fullbacks to to flourish. This one is more the midfielders can bomb on, and and we saw that from Gravenberch, where he can his first touch is just it's sensational. It, it's it's a joy to watch him play footy. It really is, and it's one that I'm like 
someone, some, I can't remember who tweeted it, but it was like, I'm struggling, they, they tweeted, I'm struggling to figure out who my favourite Liverpool player is right now. And that that's like a nice thing, because we've got Sabastai, who of course scores screamers, and he's all action running everywhere. You've got Nunes the same, you've got Gravenberch coming into the side, and he's he's doing well. Trent, of course, that goes without saying, Salah the same, uh, Diaz. and um, But Gravenberch, I just feel like the, the way he's came in and, I guess the way the way it went to Bayern and stuff, it didn't kind of go his way. And then he's came in and he's given the platform, like I said before, when you you come to Liverpool and you get on board with what we're trying to achieve, and you you're under the stewardship of of of, of Jurgen Klopp. I just feel like it's hard not to like run. Say you're going to run through brick walls for that man. The way he speaks, and you can imagine in a dressing room how he explains stuff to you. And I just feel like his technical ability once and Klopp mentioned it after the game like once he sorts out a little bit more like the, maybe the defensive side and I saw it in a little bit last night where he was putting his foot into challenges and stuff and I'd like to see more of that but just how he glides with the ball it's it's literally effortless isn't it and it's I'd, I'd like to know your opinions on it Evan how 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 you enjoy watching him play I mean the I, I was extremely keen on, on going for Ryan Gravenberch. You know, for for the right price in the context of a very big window for Liverpool, it made sense to me. Um, I wanted him for quite a long time. <laughs> quite a long time. And for the price that he went to Bayern Munich for, I was distressed that Liverpool didn't go in at, at that price. But and, and And I'm even more confused as to why he couldn't get a look in. You know, I know the competition is fierce there. I know they had a turnover in management. There's some weird internal things happening at the club at the time. But the kid so clearly has it. The it factor, the X factor, whatever you want to call it. He's just elegant, personified. I, I tweeted last week. I said, you know, both Gravenberch and Selvasly have a pure, extremely spiritual belief that everything they attempt on the football pitch is going to come off. And and that that sort of belief just sort of radiates and it's contagious and it spreads into other confidence-based players like Nunez and Diaz and, and folks like that. I just, I, I think he's an absolute Rolls Royce. And then next to him, you have Sobosly who shares so many of the same qualities. And when I think about the Liverpool midfield moving forward, how can you not get up out of your chair? Like, you know, it, it, the, the transformation has been incredible because, you know, Dominic Sobosai, that's a top five midfielder in the Premier League right now. Like, like no question, he absolutely is, just based on form and stats and contribution and, and all those things. And Gravenberch, you know, by the end of the season should be, you know, tripling his valuation as well. You know, you think about the midfield, you think about those two guys and the ceilings they have at the tender ages they have, then... You know, you have Curtis Jones, who finished last season so well and, you know, just looks the part. Harvey Elliott as well, who I'm a big fan of, as you know. You know, it's like the the it's night and day when we think about where we were, how we perceived our midfield 12 months ago, even six months ago, versus how we perceive it now. It's just completely been flipped on its head. Um I'm sure we all wish Liverpool, like I, like we alluded to earlier, I'm sure we all wish there had been a big, flashy Moises Caicedo, Romeo Lavia, whatever signing 
at, at the six. Um, but you can't say that what they have done hasn't worked. I, I think it's worked so far and then some. Yeah, definitely. I think the players that we've seen and yeah, it's it's very exciting, like you said, the players that we've we've brought in and the the the, the stuff that they're showing so early on. I think that's I think that's key to keep thinking about as well. It's so it's still very early doors. They're still learning. They're still get they're still integrating themselves and they're still showing themselves to be very good players in games that we need to rotate the likes of the Europa League. So it's yeah, it's I mean that first half, Gravenberch was just he was just gliding over the pitch and it was just it was just a joy to watch. And then he gets his goal and um I mean I tweeted like a joke like Nunes missed on purpose so Gravenberch could get the goal that he deserved. And it's, it's just assist, like Vic. it's an assist. Yeah, it's an assist, but the play the play from Nunes on the sixty fifth minute to get him behind to make the run, of course he's always alive in those moments when we win the ball back and he he knows he's like He's, there's one player he needs to take on. He takes that player on so easily and glides past him so nicely. Then he glides around the goalie, and you're thinking, right, literally perfect goal. Just slide it in the net, and we're sorted. Then he, I just love the like because we 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 obviously call him chaos, but then he, he hits the post. It comes out. He's then on the deck, and he's like head and hand, and he's absolutely livid with himself. <laughs> All the while, Gravin Birch has picked it up, and he's slotting it in bottom corner, and. It's just, I mean, it was it was a hilarious goal. I celebrated it crazily just because the way it happened. But mm. I think that that was, I mean, people are saying that that's Nunes in in a nutshell. But I feel like he won't take any like um, negativity from that. It was just like it was just a bad strike of the ball. He could have took another touch and hit it, and he could have done the old run it onto the fucking goal line and, and dive and edit it in. He could have done a, a multitude of things. And he yeah. just can't, he just chose the wrong one. But I, I, I loved that Gravenberch got the ended up getting the goal and, and kind of capping off his performance because, like we referenced there, the clock mentioning like the right players scored in this game, like like Endo getting his first goal, Gravenberch getting another one was was nice to see. But the whole the whole situation was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, it definitely was. It was very silky. You know, Starwin's not always the silkiest player but the run was silky the timing of the pass you know quick one two touch around the keeper what my coach told me when i was growing up playing he said when you round the keeper because that's what i like to do quite a bit as a kid when i was playing i preferred to round the keeper he said don't forget to breathe once you get around the keeper otherwise you're going to do something silly like reaching for the ball which darwin ended up doing we know he could could have taken another touch have it right under his feet and passed it in but the the ball was going away from him and in his haste he he reaches for it and doesn't get the 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 angle of, of the strike that he needs um it just made me think of that in that moment but hey you know he's playing again in front of tens of thousands of people it's going to be hard not to have that sort of adrenaline very funny situation because he's on the, he's on the deck head in hand hitting the turf and i'm like mate the ball's still in play you know it's you know i i looked back at it and you know, if he had immediately gotten to his feet, I, I think Ryan Gravenberch might have just slid it right back to him because that would have made more sense than trying to squeeze it into the bottom corner with the keeper yeah. there and the defender on the line. You know, I'm just like Darwin. You know, the goal's still there for you if you want it, but it, it was it was just an altogether very funny situation, and it's it's a miss that I think would have left me feeling. Ugh, 
last season. Like, come on, his confidence needed that. Definitely. But not really this season. He's won us games away to top four rivals, you know, hostile environment, St. James Park. You know, guys, the guy has nine goal contributions and 12 appearances for Liverpool. It's not 12 starts. It's 12 appearances. You know what I mean? It's not – they're not all – 90-minute opportunities and windows in which to get a goal or an assist. The, dude, the guy is doing much off of the bench. He's doing a lot with his starts, and he's doing a lot with his cameos off the bench. I mean, nine goal contributions in 12 games is something Mo Salah would probably be very happy with. Um, so in terms of output, we're getting more of what we want from Darwin Nunez. Um, last season, it would have been maybe valid to read a bit into this this howler, but in a, in a in a in a period where he's sort of in the form of his life and improving in all these different areas and getting the goals and stuff, it's it's easy to sort of just like laugh it off, you know. The guy already scored, scored the hard chance with his weak foot, you know. I'm not gonna not gonna worry about a rush of blood where he was already going through which celebration he was going to do and he hit the inside of the post. Altogether, very funny situation though. Yeah, I think it's even like funny because like Trent went straight over to him and basically was attempting to say to him like, "Oh, it doesn't matter. Like we st- we still score." But I-, I agree. Like if it happened, I don't know. Even in- even earlier this season, or like you said last season, you'd be maybe reading into that a little bit. Going, is he gonna? Is it gonna click for him? And I do. I st- you referenced the St James's uh, game. I still feel like that was a-, a turning point a little bit where he came into the side and was like, came off the bench and was like, right going to win this game for you and, and kind of flip his not his fortunes but I kind of just set him on the right road to what we knew, what we hoped he was going to he was going to walk and I think he, since then I think like all the stuff we've been mentioning like his build up play and not looking like a spare part I think that's what you reference as well like he kind of looked like he was trying to like he'd come over too far left or he'd be dropping too deep and then we'd be like right get him just stay in the box but that's not what he's about he wants to be around and, and and doing stuff but he wasn't he wasn't picking the right moments or the right times to do it and i feel like we're seeing it more naturally now i feel like that can ho- that can only help him and only help him like you said get like you said get more assists for mo salah he's got eight so far for mo salah he's got eight assists and they're all for mo salah I've, i still feel like that's a mad stat that that's all of his assists for uh, for salah but um hopefully he can get loads more of them and of course salah it's not complete if Salah doesn't come onto the field and 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 leave the game with Sutton, and he, he does do that um, in, in in stoppage time, and he comes on for the Gravenberch, of course, to get allow Gravenberch to get the adulation of the crowd because he he definitely deserved it from the performance that we've referenced. But it was just normal for Salah to come on and go right. I'm going to get another goal here and get me a hundred ninety fifth Liverpool goal. I think he's went on to 43 European goals. He's went above Thierry Henry. He was on 42. It's just breaking records every week. And we're just like, yeah, that's it's normal. It's normal. But it's only when you maybe look back a couple of years, you're like, he broke this record that week. He was doing something else this week. It seems like every other week he's breaking another record. And he's just a, he's just a phenomenon. And he really is. And to, to be f- only five goals off 200 Liverpool goals, it doesn't even seem real, really, that he's that close to 200. But it was a great finish as well. His right foot. I think I, I had a quick look earlier because I'm a bit of a bit of a nerd like that. I think it was his twenty fourth goal with his right foot. So yeah, yeah. not yeah. not too bad. But 
he's still he's just lethal. He's every time he comes onto the field. What I said earlier, like Everton game was an anomaly. He was just he was by Mo Salah standards horrific. Still scored two goals, but this game trying to get on in the act. And as soon as he scored, you saw the smile. He was like he was obviously dying to get on the field and get a goal, and he got it. Always has to make it about himself, that guy. Doesn't he? All about Mo. <laughs> it's all it's all it's all about Mo. It's the Mo show. It's where it's where the big bucks are going. You just had to come on and remind us. But you know, it's you know, it, it's really nice. It's really nice. You know, my my friend Asim uh from from Born and Red, he uh he took his kids to the game. I think I think it was their first game. And although Salah was only listed on the bench, their hope was that he would come on for the last five, ten minutes. I think they ended up getting 20 to 25 minutes of Mohamed Salah and a goal. So what what a great moment for them and I'm sure countless other kids who were uh, checking out Anfield for the first time. So I th- those moments bring a, a huge smile to my face and you know that, that that's what it's all about. Um, but yeah, an, another another shot after um, oh sorry, an, another goal where a Liverpool player stuck it in the roof of the net off the underside of the bar. Other uh, Mo Salah right-footed goals at the cop end that hit the other underside of the bar uh, include the uh, fourth or fifth goal against Manchester United last season. Uh, that that volley off the underside of the bar. So Good it's thing. you know it's, it's a finish he seems to be working on. You know, and and, and I'm all here for it. Um, really well taken goal. Um, again, like you alluded to, that that partnership between Darwin. And and uh, and Mo, you know, all of the, all of his assists so far going to Mohamed Salah, just a just a uh, a, a blooming relationship in, in in many in many different ways, and and definitely something that you want to see gelling um, is as much as you possibly can because these guys are sort of physical freaks of nature, and when you have players that are physically superior to 95% of their opponents and, and they're gelling and they're sort of on the same page, there isn't really a defensive system or a way to set up that can sort of just block that, you know, because, you, you know, that it's it's kind of like De Bruyne and Holland being on the same page to a lesser extent. Um, like, because De Bruyne, he, for me, De Bruyne's uh, party trick or his, his X factor is that he has the engine and and the top speed and these physical attributes that number 10s quote unquote a generation ago didn't have but he is the motor with all of those incredible technical attributes and that's what makes him the perfect one-two punch with 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 erling holland and in in our own modest way and i don't mean to compare darwin to either of those uh two players but it is sort of the same sort of dynamic it's two players that are physically superior to the opposition and when they're clicking, you can't really defend it. There just really isn't an answer for it. So if they can continue to connect in the way they will, they will continue to supply each other with the output that they deserve. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully Sunday can bring more of that because I think it's it's um, like I said, it's exciting that they, those two can can be linking up and kind of finding each other. The the goal, the second goal against Everton was. I mean, it wasn't a carbon copy of the, the the previous game against Everton at Anfield last season, but it was quite similar in that um, Nunes running with the ball, fine salad, and when he's in those areas, he's you can't catch him. Even running running with the ball, Darwin Nunes, you cannot catch him. Like you said, he's just a 
he is a freak of nature how quick he is. I mean, it it did surprise me even when we played against him um, in the Champions League and he was just going past Robertson and Matip like they weren't there. And I was like, this kid is either really fucking fast or we're having an off night and we're just not running as quick. But it turns out it's, it's the former because he is just ridiculously quick. And I, yeah, I can't wait to see how, yeah, again, it's still in terms of like a career um it's still early doors for for Salah and and Nunes in terms of their partnership, like what it could be. And if Salah stays, of course, that's that's the caveat. If Salah stays, they can the amount of goals that they can score and can combine together for in in the future mm-hmm. is, I mean, you you can't even begin to think how many they'd score if they if they stay together. Um, but yeah, a, a great a great victory. Um, of course, like to lose, like like I mentioned earlier, a good side, like good good technically decent side, but. With the way Liverpool played and the and the the way that certain players played midfield and and stuff like that and Salah coming on getting the goal, I feel like it was a overall a decent night for everyone. And going into going into Sunday then, and we're mentioning like Nunes and Salah linking up and stuff. What? How would you? How would you? How would you go into Sunday off the off the back of, off the back of yesterday? This might not be on everyone's lips, but I would start Joe Gomez again. Um, you know, when when I look at just who Forrest have, you know, Taiwo Aoni is is a handful. Yeah, yeah. We we've learned that the hard way, as as plenty of other Premier League clubs of varying qualities have. Um, Joe Gomez, you know, for all of his injuries, still remains physically superior to pretty much almost every attacker he comes up against. He's still as strong as most guys faster than most guys at that top speed. And when I think of what I would like to have in dealing with that threat, I, I think Joe Gomez is, um, is is sort of top of the list for me. Obviously, Dominic Sobosly, you know, he, he, he's an absolute lock, especially if, if he didn't, you know, he didn't play yesterday. Mohamed Salah is a lock. Um, but so, but apart from the obvious ones, you know, because we all we all know what the obvious ones are. One of the less obvious ones is is I think Joe Gomez is going to retain his uh his starting spot. But then again, you know, in the interest of keeping folks fit for the entirety of the season, especially injury prone options like Gomez and Matip, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if this is a constantly rotating um, center back committee. You know, obviously Kanate hasn't been risked very much. You know, I'm sure you've noticed it too. They've been very careful with bringing Kanate back after his his early knock uh, at the start of the season. So that's sort of just what I would do. Um, I want I want to build his confidence as well. Um, but yeah, but that that's that's my less obvious. I think this player should start. Sort of shout. Yeah, I think we. I mean, we've been so caught up in the in the attacking side and stuff. We didn't really mention like the defensive side and I think I, I do think Gomez had a, had a good night I feel like he's even moved to right back he can he can go left back he's still got the pace and the power and I think mm-hmm. the injury he had was so bad the patella tendon it, it would have maybe killed anyone else's career but he's still got that mental toughness to come back he's still got the pace I've seen it again last night where there's times where it looked like they were through and he'd come across and, and wipe her out and just clear it Um mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I think I think the Canate one's an interesting one because I feel like every week when Liverpool are about to play, I'm like, right, this is Canate's come. This is the this is the game Canate comes back in and stays in, 
and it hasn't happened. And I think, it, like you said, well, being careful, Matip, of course, is still performing. I, I, he's he's gone above and beyond what I thought he was still able to produce in terms of mm. in terms of again a different setup, and he's still adapting to that. And I think he's performed really well. Um, but do you think this? I mean, I don't know if uh, Taywo was going to be fifth for this one, but when we've last played them, that was the most uncomfortable I've seen Canate with a striker, maybe ever in terms of like physical battle. He is so strong and so willing to try and batty it out the way that, yeah, I mean, it it would be a really good like nod to Joe Gomez to say, right, you've earned this spot, go again, go alongside Virgil van Dijk. Um, is obviously most preferred partnership because we saw that in the, in the in the season we won the league where we can go out, mm-hmm. give, give him another chance and and see. I guess just give him a chance and see and see if he's if he's up to these type of games. Of course, it's at home and stuff, so it's it's a a little bit easier. If we're going away, I'd be a bit more hesitant about that. But it might be good just to give these players like the likes of Gomez like another another chance. And I guess same with same with Ryan Gravenberch as well, maybe. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if Ryan Gravenberch played. You know, you look at the list of players who who didn't really get on the pitch or were only subs, you know, Gakpo, Diaz as well. You mentioned that Aoni is not expected to be fit. I'm so glad you said that because I, when, when he initially went down, I remember reading two weeks, but now it's saying, I, I just pulled up a more updated report saying a month. Okay, well, in that case, play whoever you want. <laughs> play, Joe, play Joe Matip, you know what I mean? Um, but uh, I, hope, I, hope he, uh, I hope he recovers well, but I didn't see that it was, um, it was a, they updated it to a month timetable. Okay, interesting. Um, but yeah, you know, Diaz, I think, will come back in. Seems to be a bit of a Klopp and Linder's favorite. You know, it's just one of those things where it's just like, if the Champions League final was tomorrow, you, you, you'd you think Luis Diaz would play. Just seems to be a favorite of, of the coaching staff. And, and, you know, rightfully so. Um, but gosh, in, in this attack, there are no wrong answers. You know, it wasn't so long ago there, there was a clear wrong answer. But now there are no really no wrong answers as long as they include, you know, that really quick Egyptian lad. Um, but, you know, in, in the midfield as well, if Gravenberch is, is thrown in, there isn't some sort of sinking feeling in your stomach where you're like, this isn't right. You know what I mean? Um, and you already alluded to Matip's sort of return to an acceptable standard of form, you know, He's improved since last season, as as has everybody. The collective floor ha- has been raised, if you will. So we're in a position, with with an exception to that number six role, which we've already talked about. We're in a position where the the depth is there, where it's it's hard, it's getting harder and harder to poke holes in a starting lineup and have a problem with it. Whereas you know, six months ago, twelve months ago, even even at the peak of the Klopp era and, you know, 2019, that there were times where you could pretty easily do that, but not, not so much anymore. It's, it's a bit, bit of a bygone problem. I mean, it's a great problem, isn't it? <laughs> it's a great problem that we can, yeah, it's a nice problem. We can, inter- we can interchange these games and you're like, well, you can look at it and go, there's some decent players there, but you're excited about what it can produce. And Liverpool again, produced again, like you could see Klopp was very happy the way the game ended yesterday and the players that scored and, performances that got put in so it was an exciting game all round and yeah who knew a a home game against Toulouse was going to be so mad and full of goals Um, I think we all would have took an easy 
two two nil before the game, but five one and to get get so many goals and three wins out of three. It was a it was a perfect night and like Klopp mentioned again, no one no one was injured, no everyone performed well. So it was a it was a, overall it was a great night. Um but yeah, Evan, we shall leave it there. Thanks very much for taking the time to jump on from I always want to say sunny California because I just always feel like the word sunny prefixes the word California, but is it sunny in California right now? It's it's early though. Yeah, it? more 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 often than not, more often than not. But as we do these pods later and later into the season, the answer will become less and less <laughs> straightforward. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, thanks Evan for jumping on. If I mean, if you're not following Evan on on Twitter or is now called X, then I suggest you go and do that. Soccer God at S O W K U R God. Go and give him a follow. I think. You've been flat because I mean you've been you've been doing the graphics and stuff lately, so I think you've followed your followings flew up um, quite considerably and rightly so because you don't you don't just talk sense, but you also create great graphics and, and in depth stuff that can kind of give you maybe a different level of not understanding, but like an insight into what what Liverpool are trying to achieve and. And, and certain players, how they're performing and stuff like that. So it's always interesting to go and ch- go and check out. So if you want to go and give Evan a follow, then please do. And yeah, he's he's always going to jump on this show, which is which is nice of him. Uh, nice of him to take the time. Um, but yeah, we'll leave it there. Thanks everyone for listening. As always, thanks to Evan once again for for taking the time. And yeah, we'll see you all very soon. Nice one. I'm Jamie Carragher, and you are listening to the Copite Podcast. Network.